0: G'day ladies and gentlemen, uh, with me today is Ken King, welcome Ken.
1: G'day, how are you doing guys?
0: I'll, uh, I'll get Ken to start off first of all, Ken comes into this with a, with a bit of a funny accent and I'll, I'm interested as to what his background is and where he's from and how did you end up in Melbourne building massive drones for the industry?
1: Well I think all you guys have funny accents.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: Now um, I came to Melbourne over 10 years ago uh, from Ireland uh, as a GFC recession baby, um, decided I was looking for something new. And uh, yeah, I was, came from a building services engineering background, working construction on large projects like airports, hospitals, research laboratories, things like that. And I started seeing drones appear on the internet and in sort of chat rooms and um, uh, geek centers, tech, tech centers. Uh, and I thought these were interesting. That was around 2012. And by 2014, the products had matured to the point that you could buy them affordably. And I started playing around with them. So been building drones since 2014 with a fair degree of success and from there um, I met um, uh, a couple of guys in the industry here in Melbourne, started getting connected to the network um, and start, started working with a, a company called Free Space uh, Drone Racing and we got heavily involved with them and met uh, my now business partner Leonard Hall there and um, been working with him for nearly three years. And one thing led to another, but we decided to commercialize free space operations based on some success a lot of success in the um, industrial drone space building large multi-rotors.
0: So when you say industrial, you mean large drones not well not just
1: not drones. just large I think there's a there has to be a clear differentiation between a large drone and industrial drone so large large drones can be built from hobby parts and they look they look um, they look like every all the drones look pretty much the same from a distance, but the devil's in the detail. So industrial drones are designed to withstand metal fatigue, repeated use, you know, shock loadings, um, they've got a a lot of weather protection, and um, uh, yeah, they're just designed to to work all the time, be dependable, reliable, um, and something that you know you can bring to a job in a a distant location, then it's going to work,
0: as opposed to um, a commercial off the shelf from some of the major manufacturers.
1: Yeah, well, it's—I don't think there's—I don't uh, um, slur any of them um, w- without merit. There's uh, there's there's no problem there, but uh, it's more like big ones that are built by some, uh, either enthusiasts or companies that, unless you go through a rigorous testing process and have a, a lot of time spent flying them, that you you, you won't find out where their, their weak points are. We've had issues with off-the-shelf frames having metal fatigue. We've had things like solder joints break. Um, we've seen poor work done in the past with dry solder. So a lot of our systems are pulling hundreds of amps of current uh, regularly, and they get to the point where the systems are saturated with with, with heat. And, and unless you actually get to that point, you'll never get near the risky zone. You, you could have a, like having a heart defect. You'd never know it's there until you actually really need it.
0: So when you say you've been building drones yeah. for, for a bunch of years, um, I don't build drones. Yeah. What do you mean by building drones? So you 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 collecting um, parts from different suppliers. Are you building software? You building software systems around it. H- h- what are you doing? In yeah, that
1: there's space? a clear. Well, there's there's two sides to it really. There's the hardware and software side. So thankfully, uh, due to the dedication of uh, hundreds and thousands of really smart people, we have open source software systems that we can um, yeah just install autopilots onto a, a system or in a piece of equipment of hardware that's that's fit for purpose, that it it can fly. And pretty much with a multi-rotor, if it's got enough thrust and enough power uh, in terms of electrical power, it'll fly. You you can make it fly if you do it right, Um, as ugly as it looks. But uh, on the hardware side, I mean, there's a myriad of components out there, a lot coming from China on the hobby side of things. That's, it's kind of like building up a a computer. You can go to a a PC store and just select components that are compatible. And, you know, the computer will work, but how good will it work? You know, n- not just basic stuff like, will it overheat or crash? But, you know, what's its performance like? Have you put a bottleneck in somewhere that you didn't expect it to be? You know, is, is, is just one weak component holding back the whole system. Uh, so, yeah, and when it comes to part, and the thing is, when you build them yourself, I mean, they're, they're, they're robots that are flying in a 3D environment that can be nasty. You can get bad winds, weather, um, put loads on them that you're not expecting, and Unless you can anticipate what some of the forces and vibrations are going to be, you know, you might find that bits fall off it in the sky, and you have a really bad day.
0: So you're really about ensuring that the the products and and the pieces and the equipments you use are, are exactly correct for what the outcome is you're trying to achieve.
1: Yeah, well, we're trying to in, we're trying to introduce um, safety factors and and anticipate where parts are going to fail, and if we if we're unsure about just how good they're gonna be, well, we, we, we have a backup in place if possible. So our philosophy is generally, we, we, we only fly and build multi um, octocopters. <coughs> okay. So we've got redundant propulsion. So for whatever reason you lose a propeller, whether it's something physical has happened to it or electronic components broken, um, that you have a, a backup there to replace it and at least you know, get you safely to the ground without okay. having a catastrophic event.
0: Yeah, great. Um, Ken, why don't you give me background on on Free Space Operations? So Free Space Operations is, is the company that you're yep. part of now. Why don't you tell our listeners um, what you do as part of that operation and and what you're all about?
1: Okay, well, um, I start off. Well, I'm the managing director, and um, Leonard Hall is the uh, chief technical officer, and we work um, synergy C there. So I'm based in Melbourne, and he's based in Adelaide. Um. Leonard's background is he he used to work in DST as a RF and electronic engineer specialist, especially on radar systems. And and he's also the lead control and navigation developer for RG pilots, RG Copter specifically. So we've got real obviously we've got <laughs> intimate knowledge of the RG Copter um, and RG pilot's um, flight autopilot system. Uh, from there, we, we we were working together on various projects, especially in free space drone racing, which we were both directors in. And we saw opportunity into building some industrial drones. So we were commissioned by DST to build a, an octocopter to hold a, a lidar for Plan Jericho, and that was displayed at the Avalon Air Show this year with, in the Plan Jericho area for uh, for Air Force. And just from the success of that project, I mean, that was pretty ambitious specs. It was to carry 20 kilograms of payload for 10 minutes or to, with the same system, to have a tether, ground-powered tether system, to suspend 10 kilograms indefinitely. And we achieved both those things. Um, and just from the success of that, we decided, well, you know, we need to commercialize this. This is a real fair-thinking product that's, you know, it's going to have a big impact on the world if we do it right. So Free Space Operations was born out of that. And. The reason for the name is (coughs) Leonard had a a company for a long time called Free Space Solutions where he did bespoke RF work and and tuning work on on RG pilot systems. So we just tapped into that existing brand. They're they're both very compatible with each other, as you can imagine. Um, Yeah and that's where we're at now. So from, from the original product, which was a 50 kilogram octocopter system. You'll see on the internet that lots of companies and, and um, startups and entrepreneurs are operating large drones, but really until y- you build them and test them, it's, it's, it's easy to say that they're going to work based on your knowledge with small drones, but um, there's a lot of issues to work out um, with, with the bigger drones. They just don't operate the same. I, I feel they're an order of magnitude harder than small drones, mm-hmm. at least. And until you actually figure out how to do them right, I mean, you can fail in, in so many ways if you, you've you got much bigger frames to deal with, much more vibration. You have big power systems. You're dealing with hundreds of amps of current and high voltages as well of 50 to 100 volts. And then there's the consequences. You're flying systems that are 25, you're, you're starting to move outside of the standard um, licensing brackets. Like mm. 25 kilos is considered heavy for for most people at the moment, and, and our platforms pretty much begin at fifteen, going upwards. Uh, so that's what we're trying to solve. We provide the industrial platforms that will allow things like life-saving operations with dropping systems to stricken people, whether they're in the water or up in mountains. We we can fly at um, well, definitely three thousand meters, but I I believe five thousand meters is is quite doable with the systems we have. Um, we can. We can also uh, do some of this uh, autonomous uh, cargo delivery systems with large multi-rotors so there's been I, I think the poster child so far have been these hybrids fixed wing systems that we, uh, we've seen cropping up and um, and and they work absolutely for for a specific range long range and lights light payloads but we we want to do short to medium range and heavy payloads okay so with large multi-rotors you're not really constrained by the volume Mm -hmm. of the of the system so you can carry something really big. the the other systems are constrained to kind of shoebox size cargoes. yeah a couple couple of kilos but you can push them out 50 kilometers or more if if Mm. you you build a good system where we can we can carry up to half our actual flying weight in payload so for a 50 kilo drone like callisto 50 it's 25 kilos of payload and it's if you want to you can carry a cubic meter of payload if it's light enough you just need to suspend it from a slung tether and and drop it in like a um like a cargo helicopter would drop in a a um a a cargo in a net
0: okay yeah great and so what sort of um what sort of endurance are you getting out of these these types of systems
1: well yeah um again it depends on the payloads but if you run them really light you can so something like a 10 or 15 percent payload fraction so for our system five-ish kilos which is what most of the camera sensors are, you can get up to 45 minutes flight time. Again, with all the benefits of the octocopter, with the redundant propulsion, with the hard weather handling, I mean, you, you they're not susceptible in weather like to like some of the uh, fixed wing or VTOL systems mm-hmm. where you know, they're omnidirectional basically and they can deal with, with a lot of turbulence. Um, and then if you go the other end, if you go towards the 50% the payload fraction, so 25 kilos, you're down in the 10 to 15 minute range.
0: It's still a heavy payload. Very heavy, mm-hmm. and
1: and you're unlikely to get BLOS approval, anyways. You know, you, you've got to appreciate what's in front of you from the regulation side of things. That you're gonna, if these aircraft are moving at fifty or sixty kilometers an hour, I mean, you're covering a kilometer in a minute. Mm. So, if you're operating line of sight, you only need to fly for a couple of minutes, realistically, um, yep. with a heavy payload like that. But the sweet spot really for them is about a, thir- a third of the weight of the aircraft, and you can get up to sort of. 20 to 30 minutes operation reliably with that. So 10 to 15 kilos of of payload can be carried for 20 to 30 minutes.
0: Okay. And so what do you see, so so obviously you see a future in this industry with with, um, these large scale industrial type um, drones. What what do you see the future though? Where where do you see potentially some case studies or where do you see these being operated?
1: Yeah, well it's, there's the cliche now that's been bandied about for a few years, dull, dirty, dangerous distance. I mean, it's, we, we see getting into the physical realm there. Um, so uh, a lot of the systems have been incredibly useful for doing things like photogrammetry, LiDAR, um, video f- photographs. But you're, it's, it's from an observer point of view. You're, you're a satellite in the sky and you're, you're seeing what's, what's going on. You, you, you don't have a lot of influence on the ground where we think we can physically get in there now and actually do physical activities like picking up cargo, potentially doing some um, uh, spot spraying of, of weeds or um, um, you know for getting rid of uh, fauna vermin uh, you have the potential for it's really based around the physical delivery side mm-hmm. of things uh, you know you can potentially manipulate things as well if you have a robotic arm on it you can push and pull and grab things um, We can we can airdrop cargo as well so from we don't have to land we can actually drop off
0: Yep and even then release, r- release of the it. release it
1: in the air with f- safely as well. Um, so, or or pick something up out of the water, or out of the ground. So you're not constrained to, to um, you know, you know, just taking a softly, softly approach. You can get in there and physically grab it. Now, with that, some of the industrial applications are things like power line stringing. So we can we can move into what helicopters are doing and and actually put tension on a power line and pull a, a guy wire from mm-hmm. tower to tower to tower. So which will which will do kilometres of work and removing a manned helicopter from the system in terms of time and expense. Unfortunately, we've had a, a few tra- tragedies in the last few years in Australia with mm. with uh, pilots um, losing their lives and power line stringing accidents with small helicopters. Um, we also, uh, in in terms of industrial work and mining, we can deliver tools across a mine site um, or or take samples back. Um, we can dust down the mine site or, or prevent dust by spraying with water regularly and, mm-hmm. and keep dust down and improves health and safety. You can send in a system to physically take a sample in an area that might have noxious gases mm-hmm. in there and, and these are, you know, so you've got to be careful that it's not explosive type gases, it's a different story, but if it's um, inert gases where um, it might be risk of, uh, of um, a person having uh, respiratory problems, um, you can send the drone in. The electric ones will deal with that um, all day. I mean, they they're they're, they don't mind what the atmosphere, mm. the environmental conditions are like in that sense. And then things like uh, washing um, uh, insulators as well on power lines, which um, are currently done um, by helicopters, which again, risk crew. I mean, these are mundane, um, sort of boring tasks. And dangerous tasks. And, and yeah. dangerous tasks that yeah. you can automate. Um, some of the main advantages of, of drawing, like we build systems that can be fit into cargo boxes that you can take on aircraft. Batteries are another story. It's mm. we, we, bat- the battery problem hasn't been solved fully yet, but you can road freight those or, or leave them in place. But in terms of the aircraft, we can transport with standard luggage, you know, and cargo and planes. Um, but if you go out to a mine site, for example, in whoop whoop, um, you know, you can bring that in your truck. You can, you can go with it as an operator, go to a local airfield, bring the aircraft which you drive to site, unpack in location. It's not a case of oh, how do we physically get this helicopter mm. to site and the crew and the servicing and the fuel. You're, you've, you've reduced your,
0: your logistical your
1: footprint by an yeah. order of magnitude, if not more.
0: And so are they complicated systems to fly? How, how easy are they to, to operate?
1: Um, they're physically very easy to fly. The aircraft essentially flies itself. So whether you as a pilot is directly requesting it to do things, um, or it flies uh, with a degree of autonomy. So you can have semi-autonomous where it's sort of moving to waypoints and then the operator will, will influence, or you can have fully autonomous missions and there's various ways of doing with it. But so I guess
0: with, with your aircraft, you're not necessarily flying the aircraft, you're telling the aircraft what you want it to do and it will determine how best to do that. A-
1: exactly. Well, yeah. that's the case for all multi-rotors actually. Yeah. Um, it's, um, I hope I don't rub pilots up the wrong way, but it's... <laughs> not it's really
0: flying? It's, you're not really <laughs> flying.
1: Like it's, it's more like a jockey and horse analogy. Yep. The, you're requesting it to do things and it's executing your commands. So the aircraft, I like that. Yeah, yeah. The aircraft doesn't care where the commands come from, whether they come internally from its own navigation uh, map or whether it comes externally from the pilot. It sees, okay, I'm here at this angle. I've been asked to go to this angle or this location. Off I go, and I'll I, follow, get there
0: safely I and follow.
1: I follow my <laughs> algorithms, and that really comes down to tuning of the aircraft, which is something we believe we do really well. So we we ensure that the aircraft have really tight, aggressive tunes in the background, so if they encounter disturbance, they snap shut and close that disturbance down, which allows us to deal with really bad weather and turbulent conditions. But on the pilot side of things, we we have something called input shaping, where if the pilot puts in an aggressive disturbance. That the um, input shaping will soften that and smooth it, so it'll make the pilot look good, and um, it will make the aircraft go smooth. So think of it like traction control on a car, or, yep. or you know, it's just it's just there to stop you over over stressing the the system unnecessarily. Um, yeah, it's a little bit like not, it's not quite training wheels, but it's 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 assistance in making yeah. making the pilot's um, inputs um, better suited to what the aircraft is doing.
0: Okay. And this is all designed and built and, and innovated right here in, in Australia?
1: Yeah, that's it. Well, we're... Is,
0: uh, I think part of the, the best part of the whole story to tell.
1: Yeah, we're a vertically integrated company, so we we design the aircrafts fully and we build them fully. Now, we use off-the-shelf components where, mm-hmm. where necessary, motors and speed controllers and batteries. But as far as the airframe design goes, the payload adapters, custom software, I mean, Leonard is able to um, write custom code for or or... or Get it done within the community uh, rapidly. We also have the the ability to get the new code rapidly adapted to our system because you know we're, uh, Arducopter is is you know every thr- every six months there's a, a a new firmware release which adds extra functionality. So we're able to tie into that um, very soon and, and decide whether we want to use it or not or offer it to our clients. And uh, we can also offer custom code. So say for line stringing if if you wanted to hold a constant tension on the line, which is very difficult for a pilot to do, we, we can put in some uh, strain gauge sensors in our payload adapter and actually tell the aircraft to maintain this tension set point and it will adjust power accordingly to do that.
0: And so I think the, the most important part that comes out of that for me is that um, you're putting the problem back at the centre of the system. What, yeah. what we've what I think that I've seen across industry is that there's a lot of people that are forcing systems upon problems which aren't yeah. getting the best outcomes for the clients. Whereas you can really put the client, the problem back at the center of, of the system yeah. and design your system from the ground up to meet that problem and those requirements. A-
1: exactly, if that's necessary. We, we, we also do, we, we adapt our system accordingly or, or we, we determine, well, you know, it's not really suitable for that. Like Callisto's a big aircraft, for mm. example. It's not-
0: You're not if, gonna use it for real estate photography exactly, or something. you just yep. don't
1: do that, right? You know. Um, but you, where it's like, like, say for one kilogram payloads, there's other systems that can carry that. Hmm. Like, why would you use? You're adding a lot of risk in the air for a small payload, unless your one kilogram payload is worth two hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> That's right. And yeah. then, you, well, I really yeah, I want to make sure that exactly. So you, you, we weigh, we take everything on a, on a risk and outcome-based approach. Okay. Um, we're both engineers, um, uh, so we, we've brought. That sort of philosophy into what we do in terms of both designing the drones and also d- determining the outcomes. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, and in that we we pilot our our own systems as well. So we in in getting typewriting approvals for aircraft, we got that with um, my my company in the background, Aerobotics. Uh, that's spelled E I R O B O T I X, not the uh, the, the recent, other one. The other one. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's got an Irish slant to it. Uh, yeah, that's that holds all the uh, CASA flight permissions. So we we decided to um, be able to offer the services because there's there's a big gulf between using a off-the-shelf system and a smaller type system to moving into this industrial aircraft. It, we we in good faith could not hand, just sell an aircraft to anyone. Mm-hmm. We've got to sell a training package. We've got to give a pathway to the client for them to get what they need out of it. And, the, you know, there might be a very sophisticated client already that needs minimal assistance or they might be starting from very, very early on.
0: So adapting a, a different analogy, you give a man a drone and he can only fly for a day, whereas you teach a man how to fly a drone yeah. and he's going to fly forever.
1: Exactly. And, and they'll understand the system. I mean, I think the Army has been very good in what they've done in, in giving a, a, fluent, a drone fluency to to the troops. So they're, they're able to... T- talk drone, speak drone, understand what they do, what their limitations are.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So looking um, looking at what you, you've done and where you've come from and, and who you've engaged with and problems you overcome and everything else, what do you sort of see as the future of free space?
1: Right. Okay. So again, we've, the, the industrial drone, we believe, is 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 everything on the large side. And, and there's many facets to that. So the, the starting point of that is the actual providing the core platform. So it's reliable. You know it works, dependable, um, works in all scenarios. You know, it's, it's, it's like no one thinks about getting into their car to go to work or, you know, will I miss my flight because my car is going to break down? No, no one thinks that anymore mm. because the reliability of cars and other systems and aircraft, uh, manned aircraft, got to the point where it's just a, a known quantity, it will work. Yep you worry about the other things. Is the traffic bad? Well, are the road works? You know, this. Uh, you read the news, is there checking problems or, or weather delays? So we want to make sure that the core aircraft is is as reliable as can be and that clients can depend on it. So when they have a mission-critical system or a requirement, they go, right, well we need this system because this is going to deliver, deliver, deliver. But we've also taken that core system in, into account. We've, we've designed modularity into it. So the system is, ex- is very robust to where you hang payloads for or what you can hang or attach to it. So we've got a very wide, it's a very wide envelope aircraft. So it can fly extremely lightly or it can fly full load. It can fly fast, it can fly slow. And, and it covers that wide envelope very so well. It's really adaptable. It's yeah. very adaptable, yep. <coughs> so so we, we haven't tried to optimize the system for any one thing. We've given it a very wide performance. And our, and our mm-hmm. fundamental motto is to build, it's is twice, to fly for twice as, payload twice as heavy or fly for twice as long and and work within that envelope of of our competition. So we're trying to stay ahead. We're also not afraid to build big systems. Mm -hmm. We've tried them out, you know, we make sure that they're right before we introduce them commercially. But um, yeah, we don't try and constrain our clients to our level of comfort being a small system. Now we know they they need this solution. So we, we, and the, the way to get it is to build big. You can't beat physics and aerodynamics. The way to get good uh, efficiency and power is with big rotors. It's just as, there's no way around it. science. It's science, yeah. <laughs> now, with, with that, so the other, one of the other major issues is, I mean, I think the regulatory side of things are sorting themselves out. Uh, we have a very good relationship with CASA. Um, we, we think there's quite generous um, capability. You know, you, if you operate within the rules, you've got very generous um, area, areas that you can work within and again because we're, we're doing a lot of heavy stuff we, we're concentrating more on line of sight first before we get into BLOS but, but our aircraft are natively BLOS capable, every one of them. It takes a little bit of adaption in terms of what um, camera systems you want to run with it and long-range um, data and comm systems but they're all completely modular, completely um, flexible and agnostic to equipment and we work with equipment manufacturers all over the world part of that modularity is that we're not constrained to one power source and this this is really the future of some of these bigger aircraft with bigger aircraft you have a much bigger piece of real estate to work with and the aircraft are generally more expensive so it makes sense to and the payloads you're carrying are more expensive so like i said a lot of these payloads go north of a hundred thousand dollars mm. some of them will actually edge towards a million dollars in in yep. the next couple of years and when you're looking at that you want to maximize the your, you know, your syst- your payload's five times more or more than the c- price of the, the drone system. Um, so you want to maximise the utility of that payload. So with that, you go well. Where is the biggest problem? Well, batteries. We can't, we can't get the flight time. You know, we're we're talking, we're still talking in the half an hour range. Mm. So, two of our future so, uh, solutions, we've already developed um, systems for for internal combustion engine hybrid power. A, p- a petrol-based generator, yep. uh, but it can also be heavy fuel for defence pr- purposes, and also the ground power tether system. So they solve the long endurance problem. Um, the ground power tether system, you're really limited to what the drone can physically handle. So we think a month's uh, persistence is is kind of where we're going to head to. I um, well, you know, that's quite a long time. It you is. Know, you're <laughs> A thousand hours is, is you don't want to go more than that without having a, a, a full service on, on an aircraft. Um, it may be shorter, that's where we think we'll get to. And then on the internal combustion engine hybrid system, so two-stroke generator is a, is a very good um, match to it. It's funny, where two-strokes failed in the in the automotive industry with emissions and uh, just not being able to, to pass emissions, essentially in the fuel economy, they can be adapted extremely well to this type of um, role in an aircraft where they're just operating in a very narrow band and you can make them operate really, really well there. And they're super simple. There's only three moving parts in them. So the reliability is very, very high with them. And we see the potential for heavy payloads, like 50% like payload fraction, mm. over an hour's flight time potential. So you're going from 10 minutes to over an hour, so you know five times more easy. Mm. And with lightweight payloads, well, the the data is showing that it's going to be more than four hours flight time. We're also looking at doing um, naval-based operations, so uh, operating from ships. Yep. So I- initializing on a moving deck, being able to deal with the large metal mass underneath you and um, not having your compasses, um, uh, well, basically get confused and not know where they are and cause uh, serious flight problems. And then also dealing with, with the weather. Um, ships moving through the air give off very dirty air off their superstructures and it's incredibly hard to land them where a multirotor has got some unique advantages over the likes of helicopters in that it's very fast responsive mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't have a big uh, disc above it that's that's influenced heavily by by dirty air we can we can we can move through dirty air with with a lot more authority than um um a helicopter type system
0: cool sounds like there's a pretty um uh, pretty interesting feature there for uh, absolutely for guys. yeah so um, well, the last question I might ask you is, is around industry issues so where do you see the speed bumps at the moment in the industry what would you like to see fixed or what are you finding is, is difficult
1: well yeah from our point of view we believe that now uh, uh, especially what we see in front of us that we have um, industrial and commercial systems that are, are ready to work now they're at the point they're at the maturity where we're confident that they work well I mean we've've we've, Tens of hours on, on on some systems with with uh, perfect reliability, and yeah, we're, we're we think they can genuinely be put out now to work with with comfort and dependability out there. One of the areas that we struggle with, though, is um, sort of fantasy competition. Um, people tell told stories about oh, you know, we can do this as well. Yeah, we we're, we're, we've got. 15 kilo systems. Yeah, we can do 50 kilo systems for you and they, they promise the world and deliver an ATLAS. Um, it's, yeah, so we find that that that's a bit frustrating and it's it's <laughs> a lot of snazzy graphics and, and, and stories and the, r- the reality of the outcome is, is very poor and it hurts all of us um, because the client doesn't think, oh, well, uh, these guys aren't legit. You know, they've led us for a ride. They just think, oh, drones are bad. Yep. Right. You know, we've been lied to Drones are no good, they're not ready, Mm -hmm. which is not the case. So it's, if that's something we'd really like to be able to uh, have addressed, you know, is there, how do you express the reality? How because like I said, the drones, they all look the same from a distance essentially. The devil's in the detail.
0: Yeah, and potentially, you know, something that we talk a lot about is is collaboration within within this oh. industry. You know, we, we've got to stop um, looking at everybody as a threat and yep. as competition, and, and working together. And hey, if you guys are building the best of A, and someone builds the best of B, then yep. you know, why wouldn't people work together in the industry?
1: Exactly, and, and from that point, I mean, we. We, there, there's a lot of camera um, type systems out there um, that have been you know this one of the early markets, the film industry, especially sort of large cinematography. And, and there's already a, a very successful operator here in Melbourne. And, um, that's, that's been around based out of Melbourne, but now several offices around the world. I mean, we, we don't want to operate in that field. Mm. We, it, they're very good at it there. I, I think we, we'd see that as a folly to try and be competition. Um, this, this industry is gigantic. The potential is, is huge. It, it's like the mobile phone industry emerging from, from birth again. So if you, do, if, if you do it right and work with the right partners, again, we, we fully understand we can't do everything. We want to we stick to what we're good at. We want to provide the platform mm. and a bit of overlap for payload and operations. And we want users to use our platform. We, don't, we absolutely don't want to try and wrap it up for ourselves. So, with that uh, we've taken a, a, an industry assistance type focus that we want to develop the industry um, uh, and help develop it, provide pathways to use these systems safely, um, provide the training, um, adapt the payloads accordingly. I mean the p- <laughs> clues in the title it's the pay is from the the operation it's not from it's not from the drone
0: mm. we're well, I, Ken, I think you guys are doing a, a fantastic job, and um, I've seen some of the videos that you guys have got, and uh, you know, it's amazing to see some of these things fly. If people want to get more information about Free Space Operations and, and talk to you more, where can, they, where can they find you, where can they reach out to you?
1: Yeah, well, we have our, our website, uh, freespaceoperations.com.au. Um, you can hit us up on LinkedIn. Um, we've got Facebook and Instagram channels. They're a bit lightly um, sparsely uh, uh, fitted out at the moment, but we're, we're working <laughs> on that. Uh, again, we can't do everything, yeah. so we're we're uh, we'll get that done over the next uh, like next couple of months. But yeah, we're we're fully available online and, and we're operational now. So if you if you've got a need and it's it, you know you, you need a certain outcome and you've got a lot of money in the air, um, please hit us up.
0: Perfect. Hey, thanks, Ken. Really appreciate you taking the time to have a chat today. Um, maybe we can get together in, in 12 months and see where you guys have got to.
1: Easy, Andrew. And yeah, love what Merrigan are doing as well. Keep it up. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Cheers.